I think it's okay to, to move at the pace where you can find that harmony between work and your life. What I've found is it's the people in our life who we do it for. And it's important for us to find ways and time to experience life with them. And it was actually on one of these more dreary days uh, that I discovered the power of brightening someone's day with a simple cupcake. You're listening to the Deal Closers podcast brought to you by WebsiteClosers.com, a show about how to build your e-commerce business to be profitable, scalable, and one day even sellable. Today on the show, I want to talk about subscriptions and membership sites, how to create them, how to grow them, and why the recurring revenue stream from this type of business is so attractive to potential buyers. Our guest today is Kristen Bailey's. She's the co-founder and CEO of Bake Eat Love, which sells baking kits that come once a month in a cool box. Uh, hey, Kristen, how you doing? Welcome to the Deal Closers Podcast. Hey, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, glad you were able to join us on the show. I've got a bunch of questions for you about Bake Eat Love, but I want to kind of start at the beginning you know, can you tell us about the business and how did you develop the concept and like, how did you get into this? Yeah. Yeah. So all great questions. So, um, I am a native of North Carolina, but, uh, the story of Bake Eat Love really starts in Seattle, Washington. Um, so a few years after I graduated from college, I met my now husband. And at the time he was in a training program for naval submarines of all things. And a few months later, he got stationed on a submarine that's based right outside of Seattle. Um, my background is that I had a few years of marketing experience under my belt, and I was really excited to move to Seattle where there's a huge digital marketing presence. And even though there was like this whole world of opportunity in the space I wanted to move into, which was advertising, digital advertising, I wanted to take my time to find the right next role for me. So I surprisingly found myself working at a cupcake and coffee shop during my job hunt in Seattle. So actually, have you ever been to Seattle? I have. Yeah. I love Seattle. Yeah. Um, did you go in the summer or any other season? I was in Seattle in August. In August? Okay. Yeah. So probably some pretty nice weather. Yeah. You know, I loved the summers in Seattle, but the rest of the year, it tends to <laughs> rain quite a bit. Right. Um, and it was actually on one of these more dreary days uh, that I discovered the power of brightening someone's day with a simple cupcake. It was amazing. You know, people would come in and maybe they wouldn't be in the best mood, but they would get their cupcake and it seemed like it would just turn their day around. I found this to be like a magical and memorable experience that inspired me to find a way to share this joy throughout my career. But that would have to wait because I did ultimately land the marketing role I was looking for. And nice. over the years, I had the opportunity to work for, with some really remarkable brands like Zillow, Zulily, and Pendo. And it was during my time at Pendo that something really interesting occurred. My mom asked me, what do you want for the holidays? Um, and we actually had this work group at Pendo that would make desserts from the Great British Baking Show. And 
I don't have the actual statistics on this, but I'm going to guess about 80% of the time we would have mistakes in our bakes yeah. <laughs> and they just wouldn't turn out looking that great. Or maybe we'll, we would have missed an ingredient or couldn't find an ingredient locally. So, um, I had a lot of fun doing it, but I was also ready to learn how to be a better baker and to actually nail the desserts. So I assumed, you know, when my mom asked me, what do you want for the holidays? I assumed there would be a subscription baking box out there to help me really sharpen my baking skills one recipe at a time. Sure. But to my surprise, I couldn't find one. So okay, um, what, what year yeah. was this now? Just to, Oof, just to understand the timeline. This was 2018, holiday season of 2018. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So we, we decided my, uh, well, so you thought, so my like, husband, Hey, I need a, yeah. I need a box. Like send me the, send me the, all the pieces to make a recipe and then you'll teach yourself how to, how to bake with this box and you make something every month. This was the idea. Yeah. And, and also I think what I imagined with it isn't just, you know, send me all the, the ingredients, but send me a tool that I don't have, maybe a fancy okay. typing tip so I can have like that really cool effect on my cupcakes. Send me yeah. videos I can, I can access from, you know, there's going to be some sort of physical recipe card, but let me scan stuff and get access to videos that are going to help me really nail this recipe. And, and, and I didn't want it to be, you know, the same recipes that my grandma makes. I want it to be inspirational, like something I could go to a fancy bakery and buy, but I want to learn how to make that. Right. And that's what I couldn't find. So that's the kind of the impetus for the idea for Bakey Love. But then how did you actually know that there would be demand for the product? The first thing that happened is, you know, we built out a business plan. So you're doing a lot of research, um, trying to better understand the market. One of the things that we did is we actually looked at like audience sizes for uh, people who are interested in baking shows. Like uh, we used Facebook to, to try to gauge that interest. We also looked at reports to see, you know, how much of different types of baking kits that are on the market, like the Duncan Hines, et cetera, how much volume is there. So we did a lot of the more, I guess, black and white research. But um, I feel like when you are a business owner, you don't really get to experience that demand until your company's grown to a point where it has a sizable part of the market share, um, which, you know, <laughs> comparing ourselves to like Duncan Hyde's or any of these big, big baking shows, like we, we didn't and still don't have like that big chunk, but yeah. it's cool because we got to have a sneak peek of what this demand is like during the pandemic. It seemed almost overnight, everyone who had ever had an inkling of wanting to make or just missing eating delicious baked goods, got to baking and they got to baking from scratch. So I remember going to the grocery store in the pandemic and like the whole flour shelf was empty. Like totally. it was, it was all that. gone. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, yeah. when you, when you start a, a business, oftentimes, you know, there's, there's demand for the thing that you're starting out with already, but then it's also like this untapped demand that you're that you're trying to grow and engage with um, that audience. So for me, it was just really cool to see how much untapped demand there really, really is, and how one change can uh, can really bring it about. So you know, we're still growing into a uh, you know bigger part of the market share, but it was cool to see that sneak peek firsthand. Awesome. Okay. So I have a couple of questions just technically on the startup part of your business. So how did you pick the right platform? You know, did you look at Shopify? Did you look at building your own website? How did you kind of pick that? And yeah. were there any special components that you needed to think through 
for customers to order the box versus, you know, ordering just a, a, a kit for a specific recipe. What was that part of the startup like for you? Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was an interesting contrast because we were so excited about the idea. We're like, this is something that people want and they may not even realize that they want. Like there's, we think that there's going to be a really great traction here. We've run the numbers. We, we, we we're ready to get going, but the digital operations um, that you're talking about were really daunting. At the point when we were starting the business, I had worked in tech for about a a decade. I knew that from working at the companies I'd been with, that having streamlined and really seamless digital operations makes it feel so easy from the consumer side, but it's extremely resource heavy to build. So the questions of you know, how we'd connect our front end with the back end and a back end that could manage payment processing, the CRM, renewal schedules, the email automations that are synced with the renewal schedules. That is really what kept me up at night. Um, and, and knowing that, you know, we, we wanted to bootstrap our business. So it wasn't like we could hire a developer to build us things. Like I had to find something that already existed. Um, And in doing research, it was kind of hard to find something at at that point in uh, in 2018 that was already built and comprehensive and complete. But I stumbled upon CrateJoy. And uh, CrateJoy from the consumer side is a marketplace for subscription boxes. But On the merchant or business owner side, they provide website hosting, design templates that are optimized for subscription conversions, a a comprehensive backend that manages your CRM, payment processing, renewal schedule. It had everything that we needed already, and I didn't have to worry about figuring out how to integrate separate tools. So that was really huge and amazing for us starting out uh, that we were able to get our business idea off the ground with that tool. Okay. So we've, we've represented a a bunch of subscription uh, box businesses. And I I really like the business model because there's some, there's some unique aspects that we market on the sell side. And I'm just curious for about some of those from your perspective on an operator side in a, in a business that's kind of in the scaling and growth mode you know, what are the performance indicators that you're looking at each month to gauge the success of your business? Are you looking at acquisition costs, number of subscribers, the lifetime value? Like what, what's important to you to keep a gauge on how the business is performing? Lifetime value is definitely um, extremely important to us and a number that we're always looking to increase. Um, but I think also the average order value um, is a big one. And we actually, we actually don't do a ton of um, advertising at this point. Ironically, considering that most of my career was in digital advertising, um, we tend to do more organic marketing. And then, oh, that's really yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the uh, the third one that I think is is super important, um, and, and we definitely learned a lot here, is um, gross margin and looking at it uh, in tandem with our uh, discount strategy. All right, there's a couple things there. I want to. I, I have more questions. I could probably talk to you about this all day, but the. Um, with the box, okay, are you using a 3PL and are they doing the kitting for you and putting the, the ingredients in? And then what's the planning process look like for you for these recipes? How far out are you anticipating what your, you know, your next monthly box is going to be? And then how are you actually getting those ingredients to the right spot at the right time? That seems like it could be pretty complicated. 
Yeah. Yeah. So when we started out, um, everything was done out of our house. So we went through and we got the certifications and everything that we needed. And we purchased everything at, honestly, grocery stores. (laughs) And some things were ordered, but it was more economical for us to go to our local grocery store, buy the ingredients and pre-measure them. Um, But uh, we scaled to a point where it, you know, we had to decide, are we going to continue to manage the operations ourselves? And do we need to you know, invest in a warehouse and other space? Or might there be a company out there who would um, support us and, and support that function? So luckily, we were able to, um, you know, find a, I guess you could call it a 3PL, but we call it a co-packer. Um, and they managed the packaging portion for us. So we knew that was the next step that we wanted to take. And we knew roughly who we wanted to be working with. We just didn't know how quickly we would get there. And the pandemic made it happen like almost overnight. Um, so when the pandemic happened, there was no flower on the shelves. That's also when our business experienced growth that we could no longer manage outside of our house. Yeah, um, sure which was impossible to predict for. (laughs) So we did go through several months of just selling out um, and, you know, just some crazy uh, forecasting that needed to happen there. Um, But we do now work with a co-packer who is also our fulfillment um, team and they manage, uh, you know, all the things, I guess, at 3PL would. And um, we just work very closely with them. We plan our recipes out six months in advance. So we know roughly six months from now what we are going to be making. But then with in terms of like our shipping logistics, that's about 30 days out that we'll start placing our orders. Okay. All right. Very cool. So you said something that surprised me. You said you're not doing a lot of paid advertising. You've got a really strong background in digital advertising, digital marketing, why have you kind of chosen to just focus on organic uh, and I'm assuming SEO rather than leverage, you know, some more paid traffic or what, what's kind of the, what is, what's the thought there? We, we do use SEO. Um, I'd say another strong one for us has been partnerships. For one example, we started working really closely with CrateJoy where we originally had our, our website hosted, but they have their own marketplace. So we were able to really you know, our biggest resource at this point was time. And uh, we we're able to pour time into working with partners who have a really, really wide reach. So instead of, you know, paying X per um, sale, we we uh, invested that time into partners who are able to help us generate those sales for much less. Beyond that, we've been working with vendors. So people or companies whose product goes inside of our box, we can work with them to get better negotiated rates. And in addition, co-market. So maybe we'll do a giveaway with a jam company where they're giving away a three pack of their product and we're giving away you know, the, the kit that uses their product and tap into each other's audiences, grow each other's email marketing list and continue to grow there. So we've really found, I guess you could say more frugal means of growing. Um, and that has really allowed us to continue to stay bootstrapped and continue to reinvest uh, most of our profit into ways that we can continue to grow the business sustainably. Awesome. Okay. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. What are one of the things I always I always think is interesting to hear about, and I know it's interesting for other founders. You know, what are some of the mistakes that you made early, you know, early on in, in kind of in the journey that that maybe somebody else could could learn from and and you know prevent if they have the 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 benefit of hindsight. 
Yeah. You know how I mentioned when the pandemic happened, we sold out for several months and, you know, there was this feeling of like, oh man, we're leaving so much on the table by selling out. And then kind of as things, you know, settled after the pandemic and things have kind of returned more to a typical growth pattern. um, I think it's just going too aggressive on our growth and like expecting like, Hey, you know, basically over forecasting. And then, you know, our, our product is a perishable product. So, um, over forecasting is, is almost more painful than under forecasting. Mm, So I think for us, um, you know, a mistake was over anticipating and kind of just being overzealous with our product forecasting in the beginning. And now we know that, you know, if we, if we sell out, we can pre-sell for next or the following month, or we can point people back to existing inventory. So really learning how to optimize our digital marketing, especially website marketing, to point people to the inventory that we need to sell instead of saying, hey, you know, Mother's Day is coming up. Everybody's going to want XYZ box for the month of May, but maybe they don't. Maybe yeah. we miss that. So um, yeah, I would say forecasting and learning how to optimize. So what do, what do you do with your, if you've got excess inventory and you've got extra boxes, um, what do you do with those? Yeah. So um, we, we try to make sure each box has a pretty long shelf life, even though they will ultimately expire. We work with all of our vendors on expiration dates to ensure that they have as, as long of a shelf life as possible. Um, so that's the first line of defense. The other thing is, so I mentioned we started on CrateJoy, but ultimately CrateJoy was wonderful at getting us off the ground, but it wasn't a platform that would help us scale and continue to grow once we reached a certain point. And part of the challenge that we faced was it was optimized for subscriptions. And there was really very limited in terms of like things you you could change to optimize it to sell your existing inventory. So last year I moved everything over to Shopify. Shopify is an e-commerce first platform. And I think a lot of times if you want to start a subscription box, it doesn't come to the forefront um, because there's, you know, plugins and integrations that you have to do to, to get that working. So it's not, it's not subscription first, but we, um, you know, you probably know this, but you can kind of like check out what tech your competitors, your peers, or even like companies that you aspire to be like are using. And so I did a lot of like inspecting, um, you know, you can expect, inspect their website and see, you know, who are they using? Are they Shopify? Yeah. Are they using Recharge? Are they using bold subscriptions? Like what are, what's going on here? So I did a lot of research on, uh, you know, the landscape that felt closest to us, um, as well as just, you know, the typical research you do where you compare different products to each other, do free trials, et cetera. Um, and where we landed was Shopify plus Recharge. Um, and uh, that has been, Recharge manages are the more like subscription-based functions that your that your website might have. Um, and then Shopify is the e-commerce side. But the thing that Shopify gets so right is it's so customizable. We've been able to, with Shopify, optimize to sell one-time boxes. You can do like true merchandising with Shopify. You cannot do that type of merchandising with um, CrateJoy or many of the other tools that are built subscription first. Have you, have you tried mystery boxes? Oh, you know what? I haven't. And I think the my one challenge with that might be if they really didn't like 
like a flavor or if there was an allergy or like a dietary restriction. But I do think that could be fun. <laughs> like have them fill out a form maybe. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. What your preferences are or something. I know yeah. a lot of the clients that I've worked with that have excess inventory will kind of combine it and then do, do mystery boxes at a, you yeah. know, at a discount, but they just sell through their inventory really, really well that way. It's kind, yeah. of, kind of cool. And another thing, another thing is um, that we found that works really well is bundling. Um, so of course we oh, have yeah. our subscription. You can do a three month prepay, but if you want all of the things now, um, you know, we have like an international series that you can buy today. So you can learn like three different internationally, uh, international desserts that increases the AOV it gets three products out instead of just one. Um, so a lot of, lot of benefit in uh, bundling. And you only that. ship and then, once, right? Yeah, you only we, got one time shipping charge. Yeah, one sh- single shipping charge. Um, and you can price it comparable to your three-month subscription, but it does have like a higher margin for you in the end. And then you can do things like, you know, on your homepage, if you're going to sell out of subscriptions or if you have already sold out of this month's subscriptions, take take the subscription like off of the forefront of your website and push your other products. Yeah, that's that's super cool. So I, I want to talk about the, pro- the product a little bit too. We talked about the business and some of the technical stuff, um, which is always kind of near and dear to my heart on the M&A side of these type of businesses. But the thing that really impressed me when I looked at bakeylovebox.com was like kind of how unique the recipes were. And you touched on this a little bit uh, at the beginning, but there's just a lot of stuff when I look at it, I'm like, I don't know how to make that. You know, I wouldn't even know how to begin making um, like you had like a, like a flambe sticky bun recipe that looked yeah. delicious, you know, just a bunch of like really cool stuff. So how, how do you actually come up with these ideas? Like where, where are you getting the concepts from? And then how do you put it, like take something that looks complex and then I'm, I'm assuming that it has to be simple enough and practice that, you know, a regular baker can actually execute on making the recipe. Yeah. So oftentimes we'll start with a flavor combination. Um, so if you're tuning in visually, you can see behind me, um, we have yuzu uh, lava cakes and then it's uh, with a blackberry drizzle. So yuzu and blackberry, and we're like, oh my gosh, that flavor combination is delicious. Like, what can we do with this that makes it like very interesting and maybe something that you've never tried before, or um, maybe you've tried something similar, but it just like gets you really excited. Like, I want to learn how to make that. So oftentimes we'll start with the flavor and we'll think, okay, what month could this go with? Okay, this month, I, you know, this was, um, I believe it was March. So like still like a little chilly outside what's something like warm and um, you know you'd want to share with friends and families these are like warm lava cakes and then in terms of like developing the recipes so um, I myself I told you about my background digital marketing never mentioned uh, going to culinary school or uh, working you know back of house in in the bakery I worked front of house um, sometimes they'd let me pipe frosting but not usually. <laughs> so, um, Wait, so you, you did go to culinary school or you're pointing out? Not, that you did nope, not? Never yeah, went okay. to culinary yeah. school. Say, I um, missed that on the LinkedIn profile. Yeah. <laughs> never went there. So I, um, I, uh, look at, you know, recipes. I'm like, okay, how could we like, I want to learn how I want to learn how to make a lava cake. So I'll look at recipes. I'll make lava cakes. I'll make tons and tons of mistakes. And then, um, uh, once I figure out how to make a lava cake, okay, well, how do I turn this into maybe a yuzu lava cake or a white chocolate lava cake. And honestly, I think a lot of the 
box for like, why does this work? Like, why could a novice do it? It's because I am, even though I've done baking a lot now for each recipe that we try, I'm still a novice. You know, I, I might have to make a recipe 30 times before I get it exactly right. And I feel confident that other people can too. And I'll throw in there, we do now have a professional baker um, as a part of our team. And she helps me a lot when I'm like, okay, what is going on here? I don't have to you know, figure it all out for myself. But um, it, I would say in terms of like coming up with the recipes and, and making sure that they are streamlined, it's a lot of lessons learned and making yeah. sure that that our bakers don't have to learn those lessons the hard way. So I, I bought the macaroon kit for oh, disclosure. Nice. And uh, if I can execute on making a good macaroon, then anybody can do it. It'll be awesome. It'll be I'm, I'm excited I, to see how that goes because I, I, I love macaroons and uh, I've never tried to make them. I, don't, I have no idea how to do it. So. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I would say that one is is definitely one of the more advanced boxes. So watch the videos. Um, yeah. But I'll also tell you that um, a lot of our bakers are, um, are, I would say, teens that get really inspired by these baking shows. And I've had a number of parents and grandparents say, like, look what my 15-year-old made. And it'll be like, I don't know why, maybe 15-year-olds are all really interested in um, <laughs> macarons, but that's what that's what it'll be. It's the, the raspberry. So that's really interesting. And I, had, I was thinking about this. I, I wanted to ask you a question about demographics. I guess my assumption was that you're kind of customer avatar was a 30 to 50 year old woman, but is that, is that correct? Like what, what is, what are the demographics? The teen yeah. comments really interesting. So, um, I would say the, the demographic that you estimated is really on par with the demographic that I estimated. And it's, it's like partially right because the people who buy the product are usually in that range, if not further north, but they're generally buying it for a child or grandchild. Um, and super giftable, right? It's a super giftable. Yes, yes, exactly. And, and I think it's that, but it's also like, um, you know, I have a child or grandchild who's interested in baking and like, I want to spend time with them. And this is something that we can do together. Um, so while it may, you know, the, the 30 to 50 year old may not think, Hey, let me get this product for myself. They're thinking of like, Hey, let me get this product for my child or grandchild. They also want to be a little bit involved in it too. Um, but they want to, uh, you know, help the person in their life explore something that they're really interested in. Man, that's a great idea. My my uh, my son is twelve and he loves to bake. He watches the, those baking like competitions, like the bake yeah. off, and you know, is it is it cake or not? You know, <laughs> totally. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and then he'll go to the kitchen and just like try to bake stuff like with with no recipe, right? He just goes with like he'll get flour and sugar and eggs, and he's actually like come up with some pretty good stuff. That's come awesome. up with some, ter- some terrible stuff too, but <laughs> um, but he just likes the process. He likes kind of like the sciencey aspect of baking. You know, there's some there's some chemistry like components to it. Um, yeah, I'm totally gonna buy him a subscription, and that'd be really fun to do. That'd be a really fun thing to do with him. Is that is that a like a a target market for you? Is is like parents baking with their kids? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because it yeah. you know like. Because then you have a dessert, right? You all all get to eat dessert. So like everybody gets to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Whether or not, you know, people want to be involved in the the actual baking process. I think baking, you know, 
as a concept brings people together uh, because you're uh, maybe you're baking something together. Maybe, you know, your son's in the kitchen doing it mostly by himself, but asking questions here and there, you're spending time together. And then you have the finished product that you can enjoy with, with your son, but you can also um, spread the love and, uh, and share it with others, which is actually, I don't know. I don't think I've actually mentioned this. um, That comes back to our mission, which is we're baking education company that was developed to share the love of baking by making it more accessible. All right. That's awesome. So, Hey, if there, if there's one kind of call to action, um, that you would want our listeners or other, you know, other founders in the space to kind of take from the conversation, what would it, what would it be? I've worked at a lot of, well, not a lot, but a handful of really fast paced startups. Um, and, you know, I think that they were growth at all costs at some times. Um, and at some point, it wasn't when we first started, but at some point I decided that wasn't, you know, the right fit for us. So when we first started working um, on the business, my husband and I both had full-time jobs. So it was all about finding time to work on the business. Um, and also I was I was pregnant at the time. Um, and, you know, we had our concept. We were starting to gain traction. We were packing boxes at night, doing as much marketing work as we could, but really burning the middle, midnight oil. And then, um, you know, once we had our daughter and relatives wanted to visit, um, they'd meet her. And then almost immediately after meeting her, we would enlist them in helping us like weigh and package ingredients, taste test. You know, it was just kind of all a whirlwind. And I, um, I did end up leaving my, uh, my corporate job during that time to, to give myself a bit more time for the business. And, and now we have our second daughter and I'm still really not back to the total number of hours that I thought I would be at. Um, but what I've learned is this is okay. It's not a race. We don't have to grow lightning fast. Um, you know, like, could we be tripling our growth every year? Yes, I've, I've seen that and I've contributed to that at several companies. And I, I know that's something that we could do, but at what cost? So the way that we're growing the business is steadily and profitably. And coming to this understanding is, is still sometimes a huge challenge for me uh, because I want to grow as fast as possible, but definitely uh, reeling it in um, has been really, really wonderful from work-life balance. So the, the call to action that I have for the listeners is no matter where you are in your business, whether you're just starting out or years in, I think it's okay to, to move at the pace where you can find that harmony between work and your life. What I've found is it's the people in our life who we do it for. And it's important for us to find ways and time to experience life with them. So the call to action is if you've ever seen a pastry or another baked good and you've thought, Hmm, I might like to learn how to make that. Um, learn how to make that with somebody who's important to you. Um, and if you need a place to start, check out bakeeatlovebox.com. See if there's something that you want to make on there. Um, and if it's okay with you, I also have a discount code where you can use deal closers, all one word, to get 20% off the first box in multi-month subscriptions. Oh, cool. Deal closers, all one word. All right. I'm going to... Yeah. That's uh, I'm gonna take advantage of that right away. Cool. <laughs> for, my, for my son's box, yeah. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, we'll and we'll put the um, if it's okay, we'll put that promo code in the in the in the link um with the with the show description and everything. Yeah, so that'd be great. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, how can our listeners kind of connect with you and and 
bakeeatlovebox.com. Yeah. So um, to, I guess bakeeatlovebox.com. Follow us on Instagram at bake.eat.love.box. Sorry, it's so long. <laughs> um, but you'll find all sorts of tips and tricks on there. Um, and then if you want to connect with me directly, um, check out uh, LinkedIn. I'm Kristen Bailey's. That's Bailey's with an S like the drink. Um, and feel free to send me a direct message. That was Kristen Bailey's, who you can find at bakeeatlovebox.com. Follow her on Instagram at bake.eat.love.box. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Deal Closers podcast brought to you by websitecloasers.com. If you like the show, be sure to rate us, write a review, press the follow button, and share us with your network. And of course, if you're looking for help selling your e-commerce business, be sure to visit websitecloasers.com. This episode was edited and produced by EarFluence. I'm Isaac Porter. Follow me on LinkedIn and we'll see you next time on the Deal Closers Podcast. 